You're listening to the weekly partial podcast with Ari Goldweg, recorded with Hashem's never-ending assistance in Ramat Beit Shemesh Israel 5780-2020. This week's parsha is Parsha's Yisrael, and we have in our parsha the amazing experience of the Jewish people, one and a half million people approximately, of the divine revelation, never before experienced, never experienced after that, 3,300 years ago, still echoing to this very day. The Torah tells us, that the Jewish people encamped there at the base of the mountain. It's a pasuk in Shmois, Exodus chapter 19, verse 2. Barashi Rashi says, we're reading here from Sikhas Musa, Rabbi Chaim Shmulevitz, What does it mean, Vayichan? Vayichan is, it doesn't actually say that they encamped, it says he encamped, it's singular. So why does it say it in a singular language? Rashi explains, that they did it as one person. They were like one person, they were unified into, it was, it was like one person uh, encamped there, with one heart. They all had a unified purpose. This is the most important thing, says Rabbi Chaim Shemulevitz, to understand that this was their preparation for receiving the Torah. You want to know how to receive the Torah? It needs to be done with unity. Our sages tell us, Since the Jewish people at that time hated any kind of arguments. They instead embraced and loved peace. They encamped as one. Hashem says, therefore, this is the time for me to give them my Torah. We explained already elsewhere. The Torah was not given just to individuals. The Torah was given to the entire Jewish people, which, by the way, in contrast to almost all the other major world religions where, where the revelation is claimed to have been given over to a particular individual, the Torah, the, the revelation at Mount Sinai was given over to the entire Jewish people, all one and a half million people as one. Okay, amazing, amazing thing. But he's pointing out a different point, which is essential, which is that the Torah was not given to 600,000 specific individuals, right? Because when I tell you the number of one and a half million, we know that there are 600,000 men between the ages of 20 and 60, I believe, the number, the, if I'm not mistaken. And so we have to double that for the women. That's 1.2 million. And then we have the children who are under the age of 20. So we get about a million and a half, if not more. You know, rough, rough numbers here. But... Classically, the Jewish people are referred to as 600,000, right? So the Torah was not given to 600,000 individuals. The Jewish people was one whole, one piece, one unified unified unit. What is it that unifies the Jewish people? And this is what we're going to speak about at length. It's the, the unified heart. It's the one heart. It's having a unified purpose, a unified focus, a unified goal, a unified sense of camaraderie. A sense of camaraderie, which we'll see more about. Okay, So that one heart, that state of having one heart, all the Jewish people were, were focused in one way, led to the fact that the Jewish people were able to receive the Torah. The Torah was given to them as a unit, as, as, a, as a Kalal Yisrael, as the entire Jewish people.
Now he brings out some a few interesting examples of places where we see that unity has an intense power, much greater. Two is greater than one, but not just double. It's much more than that. The whole is greater than the sum of its parts. But Pashas Bechukhoisai, he brings a few examples. In Pashas Bechukhoisai, in Vayikra, Leviticus chapter 26, verse 8, Nehemar the Pasuk says, Rodchumikem chamisha meya. When the Jewish people are doing as they're supposed to, so five Jews will run after a hundred enemies of the Jews. Umeyamikem revava yurdaifu. A hundred of you will chase after 10,000. Now then, if you look at the math, 5 to 100 is, uh, what do we get there? 1 in 20, right? 100 to 10,000, it's a much higher ratio where, where each of those individuals is running after a lot more people. Uh, 100 to 10,000 is 1 to 1,000. So what's the numbers here? What's the idea that when you have more people, you're able to chase after more? Something's off with the with the math here. hundred people, based on what the the five to hundred, that's five percent. So hundred people should only be able to run after two thousand. When a small amount of people are doing what's right, when a small amount of people are following the dictates of the Torah, the dictates of Hashem. So that is a certain power. But if you have more people doing that, if you have 90,000 people coming together to celebrate a Daf Yomi, that's a, the intense spiritual power of that. You can't compare that to even to uh, 9,000 groups of 1,000. 90,000 people coming together. It's an amazing number, right? So you can't compare the small number doing it to a greater number. The power of a, of a hundred people doing a mitzvah, a hundred people who are focused on Torah, on, on the will of God, is five times as powerful as if you have only five people doing it. Amazingly, he brings a few other examples. I'm not going to get into every example here because there's not enough time. But he brings a, another case. Another thing that our sages tell us. We find that our sages tell us that although the Jewish people received the Torah at Mount Sinai, they didn't have a complete uh, reception. Their, their, their commitment to the Torah was not complete until a later time. This is important because we're coming soon to the holiday of Purim. And we're going to see that Purim was the time when the Jewish people accepted the Torah completely. And we'll see what was different about it. Why was there a deeper sense of camaraderie, a deeper sense of Ayichan Shom Yisrael almost a thousand years later in the story of Purim? So they said like this, Gemara and Shabbos. The Torah says, that they, that they sat at the base of the mountain. They stood at the base of the mountain. What does it mean they stood at the base of the mountain? The word base actually here is tachtis, which means under, literally underneath. So what does it mean they stood underneath? So our Chazal tell us that it means that Hashem raised the mountain over their heads and said, if you do not receive the Torah, so I'm going to drop the mountain on your heads. This is going to be your, your end. That's going to be where you shall be buried. So, this is an amazing thing, very interesting that we see here that they were forced. 
They were forced to accept the Torah in a certain sense. Obviously, we know the Torah says not, they said not Savanishma. They're going to do it. They, there was a complete acceptance. But on the other hand, you see from the, the, the Pasuk, the verse, that there is an aspect here of kfia, of being forced. Even though it's true that they, in a certain sense, were forced, perhaps, by the magnitude of the, of the event, by the awesomeness, by the miracles of Hashem, however you understand that they were forced, but there was a later period, which was in the times of Ahasuerus, when the Jews were threatened, their existence was threatened, they received the Torah again. The Pasuk says, they fulfilled and they, and they accepted upon themselves, the Jews. There was an acceptance of that which they had already received previously, the Gemara understands. Which means that in the times of Ahasuerus, the Jewish people rededicated themselves to Torah observance. They rededicated themselves to that commitment that they had made, the Jewish people had made a thousand years before. Now what's the idea here? Kabbalah says, we understand from what Chazal are telling us that the receiving of the Torah that the Jews accepted upon themselves in the times of Achashverosh, that acceptance had a deeper, more powerful character to it than that which they had done at Har Sinai, Mount Sinai. Even though the Jewish people at the time of Mount Sinai was like one man with one heart, they were unified, they had in tremendous unity. There was something unique about the time of Achashverosh, which was that they had a deeper level of unity. Why? Because they were threatened. Because they were threatened with the loss of their very existence, the Jewish people, it, it, it was on the edge of all the Jewish people being wiped out at that moment in time. Because of that danger, they had they experienced a deeper level of connection to each other. How is that? At the time of danger, so all of the anger, all of the upset that I have to somebody else, all of the all of the feelings of this person did wrong to me, all of those feelings, all of the resentments, that becomes forgotten. That becomes forgotten when we're, we're all in danger, we're all in this boat together. What happens when you know you're in danger? So all you can think about is how can we survive? How can we as a Kalal, how can the Jewish people survive? They're all praying together, they're all fasting together, they're all focused on the existential danger. Interestingly, this is a deeper level of a feeling of connection, of achdus, of brotherhood, which is not the same experience as Mount Sinai. It's a deeper connection, a deeper, a deeper experience than Sinai in a certain sense. And thus, the receiving of the Torah that they did then was an incredible opportunity. The Jewish people, because they were unified, and you might have experienced that if you remember what happened on September 11th in the United States, you know, there was a camaraderie that happened because we felt like we were under attack. And it's true in, this, in, in Israel, whenever there's challenges and difficulties, there's a camaraderie that happens. There's a, a, a sense of, of, wow, we feel proud that this is our place, that we are part of this amazing country, we're part of this amazing people. Right? There's, a, there's a camaraderie that comes out. Remember, it's, it's September 11th, uh, in, the, in the aftermath, 
everyone, the, all the flags, all of the sense of unity, right? There's a sense of unity when you feel you're in danger. Amazing, interesting thing. That Purim, the Shla says that Yom Kippur, which is the day that we fast, the day that we repent, we ask God to forgive us, there's an aspect, it's called Yom Kippurim. It's called a day like Purim. What is the idea? When we say that Yom Kippur is like Purim, that means that Purim has a certain aspect which is higher than Yom Kippur. Yom HaKadosh. Yom Kippur is the holiest day of the year. And yet Purim is placed in a certain sense, the Torah tells us it's on a higher level. We can say, we can understand what's going on here like this. What happens on Yom Kippur? We don't eat, we don't, we don't drink, we don't wear shoes. What is the idea behind many of these things? Besides for the fact that, you know, we're lowering the physical aspect of ourselves in order to connect to the higher spiritual aspect. But in another sense, or perhaps in the same sense really, our Chazal tell us that it's a day that when we are like Malachim. We say, Baruch out loud in Shema, which we only do one day a year. Why? Because we're like the angels who say that out loud all the time. Right, so we have a higher level, we're on a very high level. And what's unique about the angels? The angels don't have any jealousy, they don't have any, there's no uh, competition amongst them. They're all just working towards one goal, which is doing the will of God, doing the will of their Creator. So we have a similar thing that occurs on Purim. This is sense. I don't know if you've ever experienced this, but I've experienced this so much. There's such a beautiful sense of camaraderie on Purim between ourselves and all of those around us. You, you know, it could be that when you walk on the street during the week, during the rest of the year, you, you pass by people, you don't even say hello. But on Purim, everybody's joyous, everyone's happy, there's a sense of camaraderie, of love. An amazing thing. It's kind of the opposite of, of, of uh, Yom Kippur. On Yom Kippur, we perhaps experience that sense of connection to others because it's a time of judgment, it's a time that we want to uh, get in God's good graces, so to speak. But on Purim, we have that experience of camaraderie because we send out Mishlach Manas, we give gifts, we have joy, we have uh, we give tzedakah to those who are poor, we have the 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 Su'uda, people gather together, they're able to reach this level of camaraderie. In a certain sense, there's an even greater level of camaraderie. This is this is the time for it because it was embedded into into the time of the year that this was a time that the Jewish people experienced great danger. This was a time that the Jewish people were saved. This is a time that the Jewish people felt a kinship with each other, and it was a special time which was more mesugal, which was more open. And, and possible for the Jewish people to receive and accept the Torah at a different level. So that's what you see. You see that there's, the Torah is received through, through camaraderie, through oneness, through love for each other. And now Reb Chaim, Reb Chaim gives us a beautiful uh, understanding of what that love needs to look like, of what that depth of, of lev echa, what does it mean that we have one heart? What does it mean that we, we feel connected to each other? How do we do that? What's the approach for that? Practically. Beautiful word, he says. 
We said, the Jewish people were like one person with one heart. It's not enough, right? The heart, where's the heart? It's inside of a person, right? It's hidden, I would say, even inside of a person, right? The head, the intellect is over here. Everybody knows your brain is right here. The heart is over here. It's hidden inside of a person's chest. What's the idea of It's not enough to have a superficial experience or a superficial feeling of camaraderie. That's not enough. The love that we need to have for each other in order to have that oneness, in order to receive the Torah properly, it needs to be in the depths of our hearts. Person can't have even the slightest hint, the slightest shemetz of a negative thought about somebody else. A person needs to develop honor and love for another person. It's so important. It's so it's so so interesting. He brings a few examples of where we see this. I'm not going to read this whole thing inside, but I want to share with you what he says, that by an evidivri, a Jewish slave, so you need to treat him with a certain amount of respect. Chazal tell us, Rashi, Rashi says, Chazal, that you can't, you can't work him too hard. What does it mean to work him too hard? You can't work him in a way which is disrespectful. What does that mean? It means that you can't tell him to do something. Yeah, you just want him to be busy. So you say to him, you know what, bring me a cup of tea. You don't intend to drink the tea. You just want him to be doing something, not be sitting around doing nothing. Don't do that, says Chazal. Don't do that, says the Pasuk. Don't do something. And even if the guy doesn't realize it, even if you're Evet, who's a Jew, he's a Jew, you can't treat him in a way which lowers him in your own eyes. Amazing thing. You should know Hashem is watching. Hashem knows what's going on inside of your heart. you got to be careful about that. One example. Another example he gives an amazing thing. Again, I'm not going to read this inside because it's not enough time. But the idea I'll share with you, which is that when it came to the, the sin of the spies, an amazing thing, the, the Jewish people sent spies into Israel to check out the place, to come back with a report. What, is, what are the challenges? How, do we, how are we going to face off with them? They were there for 40 days. And our Chazal tell us that really it should have taken 80 days to be able to go through the entire land of Israel, to come back, it should have taken 80 days, but it was only 40 days. Hashem did them a favor. Hashem miraculously caused that it should be a quicker trip. It shouldn't take so long for them to be able to go through the land of Israel. Because Hashem knew that they're going to be punished each and every day. That they're there, they're going to have a year in the Midbar. He didn't want them to be in the Midbar for 80 years. 40 years was enough. Therefore, He caused that it would only be 40 days that they would travel throughout the land of Israel. The question Rechaim Shmulevitz asks is what, what's going on here? Where was the sin? The sin was in their walking around Israel, being punished for each day that they were there. The sin was that they came back and they said Lashon Hara. They said negative things about the land of Israel. They said negative things about the Jewish people that God wouldn't protect them. They said negative things about God that God wouldn't protect them. The sad was the sin. The sin was not in the 40 days of them walking. So Rechaim Shmulevitz, an amazing thing. The fact that they spoke negatively, that was a reflection of all of the 40 days before that they were walking through the land of Israel and they were seeing everything in a negative light. This, the punishment wasn't so much for what they spoke. The punishment for, was for what was in their hearts. The speaking was just an expression of what was going on inside of them. What was going on inside of them was reflected 
by what they said, by the negative speech that they said, the Lashon Har that they spoke. But the sin had been happening all along based on what they were thinking, their negative view of the land of Israel throughout their time in Israel. So that's what they were being punished for. And he takes it and he says, flip that around and now let's look at how it works when it comes to our love of somebody else. It's not enough to have a superficial love. It's not enough to, to, to have a connection to other people in a superficial way, to, to be nice to other people, to say good morning. That's very nice. It's important. But there has to be a, a chashivus, a, a significance that we feel towards others, which is inside of our hearts, which is expressed. Yes, of course, has to be expressed, but it needs to be inside of us. And I'll read you just the end of that. If they would have walked 80 days there, they would, their sin would have been 80 days because that was their, their, the churning inside of them, the negative view that they had, would have been throughout those 80 days. That's why Hashem shortened the path. So too it is with all Lashon Hara. The, the root of the sin is seeing things negatively. It's that inside of my heart, I see people in a negative light. The negative look, the negative thoughts that I have about others is the root of the sin. The speaking negatively of others is something which is just the finishing off of the sin. So you see this idea, this contrast between the, thing, the, the way that it's expressed on the outside, but it's really a reflection of what's going on inside. And we need to use that in a positive way. And he says, so just to finish off, some two beautiful ideas. When it comes to Mrs. Kibbutz just beautiful. In honoring our parents, the way that a person properly fulfills it it's not just in superficial actions. It's not enough to just, you know, to say to your father, oh, here, can, you, can I give you a place to sit? Here, can I give you something to drink? Doing those things on the outside is important. It's part of the mitzvah. But it's having a sense inside of oneself that I really value my father. I really value my mother. I really appreciate their greatness. That, the A person has an obligation to find those positive attributes about the parent that that parent is amazing with, that that parent excels more than anyone else. In that aspect, that, that the parent is the greatest of the generation, so to speak. If a person doesn't have the appreciation for his parent inside of his heart, in the depths of his soul, even a person gets up, stands up for him, and does all these things, he's not fulfilled properly the mitzvah of Kibbutz Aim. And he finally finishes off, the mitzvah of This is where we come back to the idea of, we have, this con- we have to have the connection, in order to receive the Torah, we have to have the connection to others around us. When it comes to honoring our friends, when it comes to having the proper perspective, proper feeling towards our friends, the proper giving chashivus to our friends. There's an obligation for us to make sure that the honor of our friends is like the fear of our teachers. It's not enough to have a superficial honor for others. I need to think about the positive attributes of my friends. I need to think about, wow, look at that person. 
instead of noticing all the flaws of everybody else, which is the, you know the go-to thought, that's the natural thing that we do. It's to find, wow, this person, he davens so beautifully. This person, he has such he's such a smile the way that he greets others. So there's so many positive things to find about others. And it's it has to be mushrash inside of our hearts. It has to be something which we feel inside of ourselves. Just like fear. We have to be machabi somebody else. We have to honor somebody else. In the same way that we fear our teacher. In the same way that we have a certain awe. Right? That's something that's embedded in the heart. A person finds many positive attributes about himself. A person has to find those things about others. And in so doing, be able to value the other person in his heart. When we properly honor and respect and look for the good in others, so then what happens? So then through that, we reach the level of one heart. When we who strive to be to be like B'nai Yeshiva, we try to be Torah people, try to be people who are guided by the Torah. When we strive to give honor to others in our hearts, that's how we will properly be able to merit to receive the Torah. So I want to bless you and ask you to bless me. Hashem should help us to see the positive of others, to be able to feel inside of our hearts the honor, the respect, the love for others, to focus on those positive things. And in so doing, Hashem should help us to be able to have a beautiful experience of receiving the Torah, that it should translate into us receiving and imbibing the messages of the Torah and indeed acting upon those messages. Thank you so much for listening. Have a wonderful Shabbos. This podcast was made possible through the gracious donations of listeners like you. For more podcasts like this, please visit www.arigoldwag.com or search on iTunes, Ari Goldwag.